Hello everybody, you're listening to Animal Wisdom Stories and I'm Miriam, Miriam Thiel-Alberts and today we have a lovely guest all the way from Montana. Her name is Janet Roper and she's an animist, elder, communicator, writer and she has a podcast. Hello Janet and welcome. Hello. Thank you Miriam, it's so much fun to be here. I love that we have the technology that we can do across the miles, across the hours, across everything. So thank you. Thank you very much for coming on uh, onto the show and um, we had, I, I thought that maybe the weather was going to be a little bit of a problem because I know that you were having very a lot of snow and a blizzard but it looks yeah. like oh, we're doing okay here with the internet connection <laughs> fingers crossed so far so good yeah the wind hasn't picked up it's been snowy but you know not a lot of wind so we should be good to go very good very nice so um what we're going to do first is the animal wisdom message and you sent me a picture of one of your animals um one of your angel animals uh-huh. Um, and his name is Shiloh. Uh-huh. And uh, I connected with Shiloh today. And Shiloh is a horse and he lived to be 18 years old. I saw that on your, um, on your website. He actually lived to be 23 years old. Oh, okay. So you, you yes. had him for 18 years. And I had him for okay. 18 years. Okay. Yes. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> this is, this was very nice actually, or very interesting. Um, when I asked Shiloh what he would like to share with us today, you know, I always do a very open question to, uh, to the animals so they can decide what they would like to share with us and what they would like to talk about. So Shiloh said to me, let me think for a moment what the most important message for today could be. So he took some time and there was a little bit of silence in between. And then he continued, can, continued, I would like to speak about connection. If we connect to each other, the earth and the universe, we become whole again. Something we have often forgotten about, being whole. We are always looking for the missing piece around us and looking for it on the outside will only bring frustration as it is buried deep inside you. And when you connect your energy to the divine energy, you become part of the big energy flow that heals and restores and you become whole again, leaving you feeling connected and joyful. Thank you, Shiloh. Thank you, buddy. <laughs> that is so him, um, particularly in the time to, get to get his, gather his thoughts right. and to come up with the exact message that needs to be heard by the listening audience. And, you know, that's the people that are listening as we're recording and, you know, as we're, um, goes live and people who listen to it later. The thing that I find interesting about Shiloh and all of his wisdom is that the way that is worded, at least the way I interpret it, is that there are words in there that people will interpret as they need to hear. And that I think, um, I have always thought this, is Shiloh's wisdom and expertise, Mm -hmm. is giving the message to the people as they are able to take it in. And if the same person listens to it three weeks later, it's like, whoa, where did that come in? I didn't hear that the first time, Shiloh. And it's Mm -hmm. Shiloh's wisdom and his creativity and his love for everyone that allows him to do that. And he's one of your advisors in a way, isn't he? You know, in your your communications. He is, he is. And he also, he's um, an equine professor. And he um, helps me with the students. And I find it really hilarious sometimes that, you know, I'm talking to the student and I do all of this, you know, on the internets and everything. So I'm talking to the student and Shiloh, angel animal, is over my shoulder. And I'm listening to him as he's talking. And a prime example of that is I was, um, I had a student in a class. I think there were about eight in the class at that time. And the student was very good at communicating with animals, but she was always, oh, I'll just do it later. Uh, you know, I know I need to motivate myself, but you know, I'll get around to it. And so she's telling me this and Shiloh's over my shoulder and he's going, I'll get her attention. <laughs> and I'm going, okay, yeah. cool. How are you going to get her attention? Well, you just let me work with her and you'll see. So she chose to work with Shiloh and I'm thinking, okay, buddy, just, you know, be kind. Whatever. And he would be. <laughs> you know, because that is Shiloh's nature. So anyway, 
students go off and they do their communications with the various animals and they come back and she starts talking. I mean, she just jumped right in. She didn't even wait for me to say who's ready. She jumps right in and she goes, my foot is sore. Okay. I'm going, what do you mean your foot is sore? And I'm looking at a child. I'm going, what did you do? He goes, oh, I stepped on her foot. I got her attention <laughs> and I stepped on her foot and she paid attention after I stepped on her foot. I'm just going, oh, geez. So I asked her, I said, was your foot sore before you started talking with Shiloh? And she goes, no, as a matter of fact, it feels as if he stepped on it. I'm going, boom, that's exactly what he did. And so Shiloh was able to turn her back to get her attention, so to speak. This is what you need to do. And this is why it's important. And here's how I'm going to get your attention. So his wisdom in doing that is just incredible. He won't do that for everybody. And Shiloh, um, you know, people who work with Shiloh, he has to be invited in. So, you know, if somebody wants to talk to him and they don't ask permission to speak with him or invite him into conversation, <laughs> you'll probably just get, you know, dead silence, nothing. Okay. Because that is part of his, um, his tools, his teaching tools, his training tools. Is, I'm a sentient being as you are a sentient being, and yeah. then don't treat me just like a horse, okay? Treat me as a sentient being, ask permission, let's connect. Right. I'm happy to connect, but you need to um, ask permission first. You know, I found very interesting that Shiloh chose to talk about connection. Because, I did too. <laughs> because this is something that you work very much with, isn't it? Yes, um, yes. The connection and helping the bond and strengthening the bond between humans and all sentient beings. So also animals. Um, yes. how, how do you do that? How do you help that bond and how do you help the sort of communication between humans and uh, I say animals or sentient right. beings? I mean, right, right, right. And I will fall and say animals too, because I'm so used to saying right. that, but it's by extension, all sentient beings. Right. And all sentient beings, I, not, I mean not only the animals and the plants and the stones and the river and the sky, but also the internet, also the cars, also your keys, also your teacup. So those things that we think of as inanimate objects, I look at as sentient beings. And right. when we look at that as sentient beings, it really changed our perspective and mm -hmm. how we relate with those. So for me, it all goes back to relationship. Even before you can have communication, you need relationship from my perspective. Right. And so it's building that relationship. So if I'm, uh, my dog Max and I are out taking a walk and, you know, there are birds that are, you know, chatting and everything. My, I used to go, oh, birds, let's talk. And then I realized that, wait a minute, they don't know me from Eve. Why would they want to talk to me? So it's going to building that relationship and maybe just acknowledging, hey, how are you doing? Mm -hmm. You know? You, your music sounds very beautiful and then walking on and then coming back because it's not just the connection we have with the sentient beings. It's the connection that they have with us. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to say that we have to earn that connection, but we have to tend that connection mm -hmm. so that they see that we are willing to talk to them and not only willing to talk, but willing to listen to what they have to say and willing to integrate their message, whatever it might be, into the life, whatever it might be, whatever they're asking for. I think, I think it's beautiful, actually, and I think it's really important to um, invite you know, the sentient beings and, and animals into a communication and also ask, you know, what you were saying, just, yeah. you know, come in as a polite soul and say, okay, hello, here I am. And uh, would you like to talk? And this is something that, um, you know, when I teach students um, animal communication, I always say, you know, wait for the, it's okay to talk. Yeah. If it's yeah. not, it could be, a, a, you know, it could be one of those situations where they go like, I don't want to talk, you know, or I'm busy or, you know, I'm, I'm distracted. I actually haven't really found that. I don't know if it ever happened to me once. I think once it happened. Okay. Well, my, my whole set, uh, he, and there was a reason why he didn't want to reveal something in that moment that he was saving for later that message. But um, yeah, so normally, you know, they, they are very happy to communicate, but I think it's, you know, it's like this um, politeness to give the option. Right, right. I find that if we go with please, may I, and thank you, 
yeah. you know, we get a lot of mileage from that. And with my students, um, they think if they don't get, whoops, my ring's caught. They think if we don't get a message, they don't get a message per se, what they're expecting to get, that the communication is a failure. And it's not. Yeah. There's, you know, first of all, there could be something there that they're not expecting to get. It could be the timing of things. And like you said, Miriam, it could be like, you know, the, the horse just doesn't want to talk at that point, may not be feeling well, maybe hungry, maybe cold, that kind of thing. And what I find interesting is that um, it may not be our, what's our entitlement right. to know what's going on. Yeah. Sometimes we humans, we play that human card and I'm the human. So you have to talk to me. And Shiloh taught me that lesson early on that that's not the case. Because, you know, we had this one conversation. Well, I tried to. And he said, no, I'm not going to talk and you're not going to make me. And he literally, and this was when he was in the physical, okay? And he literally turned his head into the stall corner. And so I've got the kicking end of him, right? And his ears are pinned back. And, you know, if you just look at your body language, you know, yeah. and you're seeing the child is not going to talk, you know? And I'm going, well, fine. You know, I'll go do chores and I'll come back 15 minutes later and you'll be ready to talk. Do the chores, come back 15 minutes later. I'm not going to talk and you're not going to make me. And I, of course, you know, being the mature human that I am, just threw a little temper tantrum, said, fine, I'm going. Goodbye. See ya. Got in the car. <laughs> got in the car and had not even got to the end of the driveway, which was maybe a quarter of a mile long. But basically, I just turned the car around and started down the driveway. And Shiloh chimed in. And he said, the reason I didn't talk is because you were not in a place where you could hear what I had to say. Right. You had an agenda. Right. And I just about started crying at that because the love that an animal has, a sentient being has for right. someone to share, to not share information that they're not ready to hear or to help them in overcoming the blocks that the person has, the human has yeah. in communicating. It's, it's incredible. So, that's, yeah, that's true. Um, yeah, that's yeah, I, 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 you know, I don't even know what to say to that because it's just, um, yeah, there is so much wisdom in there and there's so much love in those, in those uh, communications and in, in those connections. Yeah. And, um, and I think that we can, we can learn from that. You know, we can learn from that interaction. And, um, and this is something that, that you also work with is the right relationship, isn't it? That, Correct. Um, to help what, what exactly do you do with that with the right with, relationship between what i mean them? what i mean by right relationship is that we are all connected right and we are connected at a very deep level and that each sentient being that we are connected to has their own agency or their own authority okay what does so, that mean that means that um, with Shiloh, you know, I wanted to talk at that point. And he's going, no, you're, I'm not going to talk yeah. and you're not going to make me. Yeah. That was him. I don't look at that as anthropomorphism. Mm -hmm. Okay. I look at that as honest communication, not right. communication that I wanted to hear at the time, not communication that I was ready to um, accept at the time because I was just, you know, I went into that mature human being. Well, okay, <laughs> just be that way then. I'll go home. <laughs> la di da to you. Um, but um, in right relationship of realizing that what I want, it is what I want, but it may not be what that other sentient being wants or needs. Right. Um, and so it's, it's more than negotiation. It's realizing, first of all, that in the, in the case of Shiloh, and I'd like to um, say here also that Shiloh and I were together for 18 years. We have and had a, in the physical a very deep relationship. This did not come from day one of the relationship. Mm. This was built over the years, over time, over me being bucked off, over him being injured and me helping him. It was actually a relationship built over lifetimes because he is the one horse that, or excuse me, he is the one animal that I feel very comfortable saying that we've been connected to in previous lifetimes. Right. So this was not just a brand new relationship. This has a depth to it, has a depth to it that comes from tending it from, um, working with Shiloh and working on myself right. to see what is standing in between what Shiloh is saying, what I am able to take in and how I am able to implement that in the world. You know what I, I sometimes feel is that the connecting to your animals or to sentient beings is actually helping you grow and mature as a human. Um, 
you know, these, these, are, these are like two separate things when you start doing them. Uh, when I started communicating with my, with my animals uh, consciously, because I think before I, I was doing that subconsciously, um, it helped me grow. It helped me sort of realize who I, who I am and become more aware. And it's sort of, sometimes I look at animal communication more as a tool in a way to not just the community, you know, not just finding out what, what the animal would like to say, but also as, um, yeah, as a help, as a support for us, you know, to, to grow and to manifest or create the life that, that we should have and we want to have. And I find that, go ahead, I'm yeah, sorry. No, no, no. I'm really bad at interrupting. <laughs> I get so excited and so many things going through <laughs> my mind. Um, I find that very interesting because I find it true with some animals, but not all animals. Okay. Case in point, my cat, Billy, um, who I had in the physical, who's now an angel cat. Um, and he passed away two years ago tomorrow. And so since he has passed away, there's been a big nothingness. Uh, mm -hmm. after he, immediately after he passed away, he connected with me once or twice. Mm -hmm. And he did it in a way that none of the other animals, even Shiloh, have connected with me since they've passed on. And he, I was literally hearing his bell, and it was not my imagination. I was literally hear, hearing the bell on his collar. Um, I, I work with tarot cards. And after he passed away, I did a reading, um, mostly to help comfort myself. Mm -hmm. And the card that I got was the angel cat. You know, imagine wow. that. And then since basically, we'll call it maybe a month after Billy passed, it's been silence. And I know he's there. I know he's somewhere. I know he's safe. But I also know that he has his own plans that he's doing and that it's not for me to pull him back, so to speak, um, so that he can talk to me. So I find it different with different animals. And um, some of the animals that I've had before, uh, before I you know, even heard about animal communication, um, they, they don't communicate with me in that way. Just because, and I think it's because um, of the way that I, I, the relationship I had with them before they passed, when they were in the physical and before they passed, but also because that is their choice to communicate with me in the way that they felt familiar communicating with me in life, which was through pictures and through that kind of things. So I think it depends very much on each animal. And uh, go ahead. Your yeah, turn. and do you know what? <laughs> My turn. We take turns. <laughs> we have to. <laughs> I think sometimes it also what also plays into that is that um, whether we've come to an end of our soul agreement, um, you know, animals come into our life and, you know, I believe that they come with a sort of reason and we have a soul agreement, what we would like to sort of um, learn. Mm -hmm. And I also believe that once that contract has been fulfilled, that we sometimes go different ways. And maybe, maybe this is also once they, they passed over. I don't know. I mean, this is just something, um, yeah. I think there's so much to take in. You know, there's so many things to consider, so many things to look at, so many perspectives to look at. And I think it's also taking off our human uh, perspectives of what right. we think we're going to hear and hearing what the animal or the plant or the you know, sky has to say. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't, I'm not familiar with contracts. I mean, I know what they are, but I've not experienced them myself in the way that I interpret other people experiencing them. I had, I had a, a very important um, relationship with a cat. Um, and he was with me for seven years. And we were so close. I mean, he was, it was just, it was amazing. I mean, he was the first animal that I brought into my life, um, you know, after I, I used to work as a stewardess, so I couldn't have animals, you know, and he right. was the one coming once I sort of landed, you know, and um, he showed me unconditional love and he showed me that it was okay to be loved and he showed me that it was okay to love mm -hmm. um, because I wasn't really, you know, I had sort of closed myself off that. And we had wonderful seven years, 
And then from one day to another day, he just ran out and he was run over by a, oh. a motorcycle on a street where there was not, there was no traffic. There was mm -hmm. absolutely, there was nothing. It was in the countryside, you know. And he had survived Hamburg. You know, he was in the city and he was just going in and out of, you know, with the cars right. and the street and all that. And so it was really hard to, um, to accept that. Mm -hmm. But it had felt, you know, something was coming to an end and something had been closed in a way. So, you know, this was just in that, in that experience, I felt like, that was, you know, our, our time together, our contract was closing and it made space and it made way for, for, you know, my horse to move in. And um, so, yeah. The one thing that I do observe is that um, as good humans that we are, we tend to want to hold on to the animals right. that are with us. Yeah. Um, and it's giving them the freedom to go ahead to whatever their next step is, right. you know, whether that is, um, whether that is um, being adopted out to somebody else right. or whether that is going off in the woods and saying goodbye, see you later yeah. and coming back three months later. Yeah. So there's, um, I think a fragility there that um, as the, as we start to accept the animals and sentient beings doing their right. own thing, it's almost like, Oh my gosh, what does that mean to me? Right. I, yeah, yeah. And sometimes, you know, from an animistic point of view, it's like, okay, what does it mean to me? But there's more to it than me. I'm not the, the main part of the equation here. There is another part of the equation. What does it mean to that animal or that plant kind of thing? Yeah. Looking at it from an animistic point of view, to me, it's just really turned it around. And, you know, to some point I was thinking, well, I think I got this. And then like the next day I learned something new. I look at something a different way, learn something. Um, or come upon another realization that, well, for instance, um, I do have two podcasts actually, and one of them is Everyday Animism that I co-host with two lovely ladies. And yesterday we just happened to be talking about animism and our relationship with the internet. And mm -hmm. both of those ladies are younger than I am, and their relationship with the internet is different than mine. I mean, I think I'm pretty good on it and everything, but hearing them talk about how that is another sentient being in their life. And then realizing yesterday, as we're on air, it's like, okay, this is like really embarrassing, but this really happened, is that I use the internet as a tool. I think I use right. it in an animistic connection. Right. But I don't because I think it's a tool. And then when the tool doesn't work the way that I think it should, then it's like, well, what's your problem? You know, <laughs> instead of going, oh, okay, it could be the wind. It could be that I, it's not time for me to get that information. It could be that it's not right. time for me to do that work. So I think there's like a lot of um, balancing that goes on when we start talking about animal communication, communicating with the plants, communicating with angel animals, okay, communicating with different realms. There's a lot of balancing going on and there's a lot of different changes in perspectives that we start to make simply by um, keeping our balance, so to speak. We need to make those changes in perspectives to keep our balance. And I would also go on to say is that whenever people are experiencing that, I'm going to say it's not your imagination. Right, right. You know, um, that it's the way that that sentient being is able to connect with you at that time. And if it is your imagination, it's because the door of your imagination is open. And that's the easiest way that they are finding to communicate with you at that time, to connect with you. So just to be clear, what, is an, um, what do you mean with an animist? What, what exactly is that? Okay, excellent question. Fair <laughs> question. Uh, animism is actually considered the first religion. Okay, right. and we're talking back before um, Christianity. We're talking way, way, way back. And animism is we're connected to everything. Okay. Right. Now, before, back in you know way back when, okay, there wasn't a word for it because that's just the way it was. Mm -hmm. If somebody was out hunting, they were looking at the signs from the sky, they were looking at the signs from the animals, they were looking at the signs from the ground. That was their way of being. Well, then, you know, civilization moved in and we got away from that. So in returning back to it, we had to give it a name so that we could understand what we were talking about. So I don't know how, but, you know, it came up with the word animist or animism. 
But animism is what we call connecting with everything on that sentient soul level being that was taken for granted and is still taken for granted in um, natural cultures, so, in indigenous I mean, cultures. Do you sometimes go outside and you, you consciously connect, say, with your surroundings, with the sky or with the, with the earth? Or is it something that you put yourself into this sort of um, mindset and where you just receive? Or how, how do you do it? Sometimes it's none of the above. Okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and I, I truly, Miriam, I understand your question and where you're coming from. Um, but for me, like, okay, um, I, we have what I call the back 40 here. I'm on a mountain and Max and I sometimes, particularly when he was younger, we would go back there and we would walk a lot and there's land right. back there, right? And so first time I was out there, and um, this was when I had started my um, two-year um, intensive shamanic training program. Okay. Mm -hmm. So I'm going, yeah, I'm going to go out there and I'm going to go talk to everybody. And again, I got silence. And so I talked to my mentor about it and I said, well, what's going on? And she said, did you form a relationship with them? Okay. Went, well, yeah, I went out there and I talked to them. And she goes, no, no, no. You talk to them. Do you, what do you have in a relationship so that they know that sentient being, the land, the land spirits, the sky, so that they know that they can trust you and you're not another human just saying, hey, yeah, I'm going to do this because it's really cool kind of thing. And mm -hmm. I was very much chagrined and I said, well, nothing. And so she said, okay, well, that's, you know, start there. Start building that relationship. So next time Max and I go out there for a walk, I just went out there and I purposely was silent. Mm -hmm. And all I did was observe. And actually, I didn't even observe that much. I just, uh, I don't have a word for this. Just was in the, the moment of being mm -hmm. in the outside, feeling the wind, relying on my senses mm -hmm. of what was going on more than my mind. So I went back and I told my mentor, yeah, I did this. And I still got radio silence. And she goes, well, you did it one time. Relationship is not built on one time. I'm going, oh, yeah, that's right. So after many times of going back there to the land and not even offering anything, um, I finally at one point said, hello, I'm Janet. This is my dog, Max. And um, you might have seen us here before. And um, I would like to know if there is something that you would like me to do for you. So I phrased it that way so that it wasn't, oh, give me the message, give me the information that I need. It's what can I do for you? And so I got radio silence. I spend a lot of time sometimes in radio silence, it seems. And so I went back to my mentor and I told her that this is what happens. And she said, again, you did that one time. Okay, go back more times. And so that summer, I was out there a lot. And it was relying on my senses, not my mind trying to stay out of frustration about, oh, I want to talk to the land and I want to see what the land spirits have to mm -hmm. say. Well, it's like they have to get to know you. Mm -hmm. And to go even farther in the land that I'm at, it's why would the land spirits trust a white person? Because the white people are the ones who killed off the people who were native to this land. Mm -hmm. And so it was like, okay, I went back there. And this was probably after two or three months. And I asked the land spirits again, would you like me to do anything for you? And if you don't, that's okay. And if you want me to quit asking, just let me know, you know? And they finally said, we would like your tea leaves. And I'm going, okay, oh, what does that mean? And that was like out of my mouth before I even, you know, stopped to think about it. And the, the land said, we would just like your tea leaves. So I'm a tea drinker. So it's like, okay, cool. So I started saving my tea leaves. And then what I started doing at when Max and I would go out there is when I had a little you know, glass full of tea leaves, I would take them out and I would sprinkle it over different parts of the land. And I would not ask them for information, not ask the land spirits for information, but I would say, thank you for letting me bring this to you. Thank you for letting me and Max walk back here. Thank you for um, coming through my senses so I can really experience the land out of my mind, I'm not mean, meaning not in my mind, but through my body yeah. in a way that I've never done before. And so that's how we started. Now, I won't go as far to say is that we have a deep relationship like Shiloh and I do, because like with Shiloh, you know, we've had 18 years plus, you know, mm -hmm. and um, with the land spirits, I've only been here for uh, going on three years. Mm -hmm. So we are young in the relationship. 
I'm not saying that they trust me totally yet, but I am saying that they are aware of me and that um, as far as I can tell, they are aware that my intent is good, that so, I mean the best for them. So this is basically also um, how you maybe would con conduct the right relationship. I mean, this sort of what you were describing, yes. you know, yes, uh, exactly. you're, going, um, yes. you're, you're sort of offering what can I do for you? And is this something that you also help people with, uh, with their sentient beings and their animals to kind of meet them halfway in a way? Yes, yes. Um, and I'll just go to animals because I think um, yeah. with your listening audience, you know, it's, it's easiest to explain it that way. Um, okay. but the animals and with my students, my human students, okay, a lot of times they come and they have good intentions. And as they are speaking their intentions, what their intention is, is for the animal to do what they want them to do, which, you know, as good humans, that makes sense. So it's me mirroring back to them that this is what you're asking the animal to do, but the animal is showing you through body language, through languaging, um, through their, their emotions, through what they're doing, that this right. is not what they want to do. Right. So it's helping the person realize that because they're human, we're not at the top of the, the chain, so to speak. You know, we're not at the top of the pyramid. But it's um, opening our perspectives so that we can see that they have an opinion too. And when I first do that with people, it's like, whoa. Whoa, it was like the experience I had with the land. It was like, you want me to what? And it's helping that person integrate that the information that they may be receiving from that animal is not wrong and that it's not, um, it, it may be what they don't want to hear because um, mm -hmm. I think they're already communicating, but it's helping them understand that this is going down on a deeper level. And so what I do is I'm a storyteller, so I will share stories of how that happened with my animals, and in particular with Shiloh, because he's an equine professor. And as they see, as they listen to the stories, and they hear how that has happened to me, then they can go, oh, I see what you mean. And they'll go back and they'll try it. Mm -hmm. And then they'll come back and they'll say, oh, well, this happened. So that means that I've got it, right? And I said, no, that means you're a step closer to having it. <laughs> you know, but I think a lot of times that, again, being the good humans that we are, and I don't mean to demean humans in any way because this is the way we've been told we need to operate in the world. And this is the way that we think that the world needs us to operate. Okay. We want, uh, I'll use the word cookies because I like cookies. Okay. Mm -hmm. We want cookies and kudos for saying that, yeah, you did it. Yay. 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 You. Okay. Now you've got it. Go on and do your thing. Well, that's not the case. You know, we don't need the cookies or the kudos for doing what is right relationship the the it's the relationship that is the kudos so to speak and in building that does that make sense i feel like i've gone out on like a, a limb or something which i didn't mean to do but i, I think, think that, yeah i ahead. think it makes sense okay um, okay because everything you were you were describing you know um the going you know it, it's it's basically like a human human relationship um you wouldn't, you wouldn't, when you meet somebody new, you wouldn't shout in their face and go like, tell me what you, what I want right. to know. Right, right. You know, it's like you're sitting there at the coffee shop and you're enjoying your book and your cup of coffee and somebody comes up to you and goes, oh, oh, tell, what's the message you got for me? Give me the, and I'm using the term Janet as a collective. Give me the Janet message. Okay. <laughs> You know, like the bird message or the um, horse message kind of thing. And it's like, dude, I'm reading my book. I don't know you from Adam. Go away. No, Let me read my book and drink my coffee. But, you know, on the other side, if you sort of take the little steps, you know, the politics of the little steps in a way, um, then you get to a point where you can meet in the middle and you can start having a relationship. And that is the the win-win situation yeah the relationship yeah. and not that you get the message you know and i think this is this is great it's it's a great um take on that on that you know communicating and and the messages from the from the animal world because um there's more behind it's not yes. just the message yes 
Yes. Yay. Yay. I like the way you said that. Yay. Um, and that's what I find as being an animist because I started out life as an animal communicator and I thought, yeah, I can talk to the animals. Yay me. Right. And then I realized that, wait a minute, I'm helping the animals. And it's like, yay me again. And then I realized, wait a minute, I'm helping the people, the animals, people too. And I mean, this was, you know, over a, a process of years that I came to these realizations and I'm going, wow, that's really cool. And then like the, the deeper level for me is going, wait, this is helping me too. Right. And this is, um, and it's more than just, you know, helping. It's, it's a change of life. Right. Because once you've had a horse with the relationship that Shiloh and I have, and you'll notice right. that I speak of it in the present terms, okay, in present tense, you can't go back. I mean, you can, but it's really hard to, from my perspective to go back. How did your life change? with Shiloh. I mean, you know, it's it sort of, it, it sounds like there was a, there was a, um, it was a journey. It was a journey. Okay. First of all, I'm not a horse person. Okay. I'm okay. like the worst rider on the face of the earth. <laughs> and I actually got into horses because I was teaching violin at the time. And um, I'm a professional musician, you know, back in okay. earlier days. Um, and so I was teaching violin at the time. And one of the last student that I had on a Friday was always late for her four o'clock lesson because she was coming from her horseback riding lesson, which she dearly loved. And she hated her violin lesson. So she was always <laughs> late. And so, you know, we'd spend, she'd get there 15 minutes late. We spent a couple of minutes tuning it up and then she'd play one song. And then the rest of it was like, as she's playing her song, she's telling me about this experience with the horse that she was riding and everything, which, you know, she dearly loved the horseback riding. And so I, I made the comment to her parents one time. I, th I said, I think that's really cool. I'm scared of horses. And that was um, instilled in me as a kid, as a control issue, because my grandparents had a farm. And it was easier to just tell me that, and this was literally what I was told, the horses will get you than it was to teach me how to be around horses. Right. right. And that's what the, the, that's the, the um, choice the adults made in my life. So I was always scared of horses. And, um, I thought, well, you know, they're just animals. There's no reason to be scared of it. So for Christmas that year, her parents got me a gift certificate at that, their stable. And so I go there and I'm telling the people that I'm really scared and that what they do is they put me on a horse on a lunge line and one of the trainers is in there is riding a stallion, training a stallion. And the stallion is like all over the place and just, you know, rearing and bucking. And I'm just going, what have I got myself into? And so I got very carefully on the horse. And then it was like, I couldn't breathe. And I mean, for that whole half hour lesson, I don't remember breathing. <laughs> and I was just so scared. And I was so tense. And that horse was probably thinking, what the heck? Who is this person on my back? And I was on a lunge line. I was safe. I was on a school horse. I was safe. But it was going against all of the stuff that I was taught as a kid. And so it came time to get off the horse. And I literally could not get off the horse. I was too scared to move. So the teacher had to help me down and I had four lessons and the teacher was probably thinking, Oh, please let these go better. Please let her just, you know, not come back. <laughs> but I found that at least I opened the door to be able to communicate, um, you know, to at least not be in so much fear with the horses. So Shiloh was my second horse. He was the 13th horse I'd looked at um, in purchasing a new horse. And I was literally at the point, it's like, oh, I'm so tired of looking at horses. He's fine. Whatever. And I got him to the barn where I was at. And the people who knew him said, we hoped you weren't buying that horse because he rears and bucks. <laughs> oh, that's just wonderful. Yay. So for the first month that I had Shiloh, I wasn't even, um, the trainer that we were working with said, it is not a good idea for you to be on him. Because Shiloh, the way the people, and through past lives too, okay, the way people have treated him, it's like he has this fear, had this fear um, of being around people. And his idea of playing out the fear was literally either to buck or to run off or to rear. That's the only way he knew how to protect himself. So um, Shiloh and I worked together in very small steps. And I realized that he was a sentient being. And I didn't use that word at the time. I used he's a horse. And he needs, in my way of thinking at the time, he needs extra special care because mm -hmm. of the way that he's been treated before. And because of that empathic relationship that I had with him, and I'm not even going to say he had it with me to begin with, because he was boxed in, so to speak, energetically and physically. Um, the, because of that empathetic relationship that I had with him, um, that's how we've started working together. And so that's, that's a story of Shiloh.
But how did you go from being really scared to buying your horse? I feel like something is missing. I think it's the best way I can answer that is because I'm an Aquarius and I will go, it doesn't have to be like that. Okay. And to get over that fear, I was thinking at the time, well, if I have a horse, because I had a dog, you know, and a cat, Mm -hmm. it's like, well, I'm not afraid of them. So if I have a horse that I'm around all the time, I won't be afraid of them. And I wanted a horse that I could trust. Mm -hmm. And I thought if I had a horse that was quote unquote mine, that we would be able to have that trust. That was my expectation, that the horse would accept the trust that I had, that I wanted from that horse and that horse would give it to me. So like I say, Shiloh was the 13th horse. And I think it was more than, than that. It was more than any planning. It was more than synchronicity. Right. It was, we were meant to be together. Right. His, his registered name is I'm a real investment. And <laughs> um, seriously, that's his registered name. And it was very interesting because um, in the time that we spent together, again, I'm the worst rider. And there were times when I'd be riding and Shiloh would just literally turn around to me and say, oh, just sit up there and I'll do the work. You're just basically screwing it all up for me. Okay. Just sit still. And so um, I forgot where I was going with that, but it was in that working with him and realizing that I could trust him and that we had this bond. It helped me get over my fear of horses. And yeah. And how, how did that change your life by over sudden not having this, this, believe in your life anymore and not having this fear anymore because probably that changed something it was very gradual and you know nobody's ever asked me that question before and so I find that very fascinating it was very gradual and I just found myself that I I don't know that it changed the fear because I'm still really cautious around horses that I don't know okay but it changed the um it changed the luggage that I was carrying with me from childhood, realizing that I did not need to carry that fear with me. Right. Caution, yes, but that downright fear, I, it, it was not serving any of us. Yeah. So I, I would have to say, that's a very good question. I have to think on that. That might be a blog post in the future. Yeah, great. <laughs> that would be yeah. lovely. So you mentioned earlier that, that you do um, tarot card reading as well. Yes. Is that... Do you do that for yourself or you do it for, for, your, uh, for, for the right relationship kind of to help that? Or um, I do it for myself. I do it for human clients. Mm-hmm. I've never done it with, well, except for when I was, you know, when Billy passed away and I was pulling the cards for myself. Um, I've really never done it with animals. I've never thought about doing it with animals. So I might have to think about that. But what I find is that um, when you're using when anyone is using a source like that, whether it's, um, whether it's crystals, whether it's working with some kind of divination deck, whether it's um, connecting with you know, your, your guides and your teachers, it takes you out of yourself and you're getting the clear information from the deck. And there's yeah. been times when you know, I've asked my, my state and my intent and I, the, car, the deck will give me this answer. It's like, oh, I don't want that one. Can I get another one? And so I'll pull another card, you know, and it basically says the same way, same thing in a different way. It's like, yeah. you know, deck, you're not listening to me. I don't want that to pull a third card, get the same information in a different way. It's like, okay, I guess I have to, you know, get out of my human lens and see what's going on here. So it's basically what I'm hearing is sort of um, in this as well is the sort of through the connection, through connecting, there is a perspective change you know you're you're changing the perspective how you look at things and I think this is really interesting because um, sometimes we're very stuck in how we see things and you know taking a step back and just having the possibility that there's something else or that there's you know the 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 divine energy um, the universal wisdom however you want to call it um, opens a door and it's also looking at it from an animistic um, perspective yeah. is that that deck and I have a relationship and right. we've worked together to have that right. relationship. You yeah, know, it's so lovely. I think this is, the idea of that is lovely. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. And in that sense, we have a relationship, yeah. but the deck doesn't have a vested interest in the answer that I want. Like I do. 
Okay, so if I ask, you know, state my intent and the deck tells me what I don't want to hear, it's not that they're, you know, pulling my leg or anything. It's that this is what you need to hear and I'm giving you the truth in all honesty here. And whether you accept it, if you don't accept it, then, you know, it might behoove you to work on yourself so that you can accept the wisdom that I'm sharing with you. So yeah, it's always a learning process for me. Yeah, but I think it's also, it, it always is. And I think it's, it's a really great sort of approach to say, um, it's not just us waiting for that message. It's us actually actively having to need that message in a way. We need to, to grow or we need to kind of um, make ourselves ready to receive that message. Right. And it's right. not a passive, uh, I'm just sitting here, give it to right. me. Right, right. And it's also not necessarily knowledge, mind knowledge. Okay, because yeah. we can know that we're ready to change. We can have done the steps that we're ready to change. We can have set up the boundaries, you know, whatever we've needed to do. But it becomes that heart change where it is a way of life. And that's what changes is when it becomes that change, that heart change that actually changes your life. The, the perspective change, isn't it? To, to, you know, what I heard in, what, in your stories very much is like, um, taking that, what you were saying earlier, taking that hat off, the human hat, um, mm -hmm. and realizing we're not the most important soul on this earth. Right. We right. are here in connection with other souls, and yeah. everybody is equally important. We're just a part of the, the spectrum, so to speak, and yeah. not the main part of the spectrum. Um, and I think um, with it, it's also when I'm really listening to the deck and able to take it in, I'm not taking it in through my mind. Right. I'm taking it in through my body. I'm taking it in through my senses. And it's almost like the information bypasses my mind. Right. Um, and it's like, okay, there's maybe it's like, there's a relaxation here for this message or like maybe there's a, okay, what am I going to do now? And what I do when I find for me, when I'm working with the tarot is that I, I will rely on what, how my body is reacting more than I will rely on how my mind, what my mind is telling me. Because yeah. the mind kind of goes, you know, um, the gospel according to Janet, so to speak, what I want and what I think I need. <laughs> but my body is going to bypass that and it's going to go, right. no, here's what you need. Yeah. Yes. And we have a special uh, surprise today, don't we? We do. We, usually we have uh, at the end of uh, our chat, we have a little meditation and uh, you offered to do a little card reading for us. I did. So, um, I did. And I thought and it would be lovely to have something different and uh, to get like a little message if we're ready to receive. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, and I've got three decks here right. and one of them is calling me and I would like to say, and this is going to tie back to Shiloh's message right. um, that since he, he's in the non-physical now, Okay. Um, when I do journey work with him, we often work a lot together. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times Shiloh will change from being a horse into being a dragon. Okay. So um, the deck that is calling to come forward is actually the one that's on my iPhone. And let me just pull it up here. It is called the Celtic, oopsie, the Celtic Dragon Tarot. Mm -hmm. And I've only been working with this deck since the beginning of this year. So what, not quite even three months yet. Mm -hmm. And this deck has spoken to me in a way that the other decks that I've developed right, relationship, um, that this deck takes it deeper than what those other decks did. Mm -hmm. So let me ask you, is there an intent that you would like to put forward for this deck? Uh <laughs> Something with the dog because I I just heard your dog. Yeah, yes, Max. Maybe, maybe Max yeah. wanted to say something. Yeah. Um, I I don't know. Maybe what what would help us all? You know. Okay. How about if I say our intent is to find out? Um, yeah. Wait a minute. Max is coming through. Max is a dog in the physical, the one you just heard barking. Yeah. And he says that he wants to say that the intent is to 
help people pay attention to what's right under their nose, what's right in front of their nose, and to what people should be paying attention to. He's got a little bit of Shiloh in him. Okay. <laughs> yes. So, so the intent is how to pay attention to what is right under our nose, because he was looking out his, I call it the, the Max Bark window. It's a big window here in the house. Okay. So I'm going to draw a card. And we got, oh, this is interesting. 15 of chains. Showing oh, that to okay. You. And um, we get the end. Come on. Okay, so this card, the 15 of chains, it actually is a metaphor for us humans to analyze the question or the situation at hand, which is how do we humans see what's right under our nose? So I'm going to read the message here. And what it says is that there is a fear or reluctance to break from a bad situation or relationship that is hindering your progress. So the way I'm interpreting that is that um, we humans are so comfortable in knowing what we know. It's like, how do we break that chain of going into what we don't know? Um, and in being chained in a situation of being comfortable with what we know, it's, it's oppressive, you know, and it's keeping us stuck in place. And I think the thing that we can remember, let me get back to the picture here. Come on, you can work. There we go. It's going around in circles. Okay. And I think the thing that, because this picture is showing a dragon that is behind a couple that are chained together. And the dragon is actually holding part of the chain of this couple. And this couple, a man and a woman, they're just going, oh my God, you know, I'm, I'm stuck here. What can I do? I can't move. I can't do anything. But the dragon as what is behind us, like Shiloh being over my shoulder, you know, in classes and everything, to remember that there are those unseen forces behind us that can help us break the chains. Now, what I think is important to remember, what I'm getting from this card is that they help, they don't do the work for us. So the people need to figure out with this chain of maybe if I relax, the chains will slip off. Right. Maybe the chains are an illusion. Yeah. And I find that personally, and this is me talking now, not yeah. from the deck. Yeah. Um, but I find that for me personally, it often comes down to an illusion. I think I have that fear of forces or I should have that fear of forces. Yeah. So I think it's important to remember that um, when we are in that stuck place, when we are feeling changed, it's like looking at it from a different perspective. And if we're so chained that we can't look at it from a different perspective, maybe the question becomes is, who is here that can help me look at it from right. a different perspective? Right. And then waiting in radio silence to see who comes forward. And sometimes for me anyway, that waiting can be minutes, it can be hours, it can even be a day or so. Yeah. Sometimes for me, when I'm feeling in that change situation, it's like getting rid of the drama and the angst of being in that change situation. Yeah. Yeah. And then all of a sudden it's like, whoa, I'm not as changed as I thought I was. Because Shiloh or another animal or another helper is behind me saying, look at it from this point of view. I have found that um, through having animals in my life, that a lot of the beliefs that I had from way back when I was a child kind of disappeared because the living with an animal, um, the interaction has kind of taught me to look behind me, to kind of re-examine some of the things that I believe were true. Right. And, and looking back now, I can see that a lot of these beliefs, they're, they're just not there anymore. They just disappeared. Mm -hmm. They're not here. And there's no trace of them. You know, I don't feel them anymore. Mm -hmm. When I think about some beliefs that I might have had in the past. Mm -hmm. So um, I think it's really interesting, you know, the card that came up with the looking behind the connection, the the, you know, what we've been talking about, the perspective right. change, you know, what can happen when you look at a situation from a different angle. Um, right. And sometimes it's not even, I understand what you're saying about looking at it from a different angle. And when I hear that, how I interpret it is, oh, I've got to change my perspective right now and I've got to do A, B, C, D, and E <laughs> to change the perspective because, you know, that's what I do. I'm an Aquarius. Um, <laughs> but sometimes it's, it's sitting in that radio silence. Right. 
And that can be scary for folks because it can feel very um, fragile. It can be feel very intimidating because there's not the chains that are there that are supporting you, that you're used to having support you. No, it's true. But I yeah. think there's a, there's a beauty in that. There's yeah. a beauty in allowing yourself to sit in that. And when you were talking about sitting in the radio silence and, and just being in that, it's, it's like a meditation. And I was kind of feeling comfort in that as well when you were describing that, even though, yes, I know it can be very scary and a lot of people would be scared. But on the other side, I think there's a beauty in that as well. Right. Right, right. And I don't say it's magical by any stretch of the imagination. You know, it's not like you're going to sit there in the radio silence for 15 minutes and yay, everything is wonderful at minute 16. It takes um, sitting there. It takes sometimes being open so that that radio silence can work on you, so to speak, instead of you being. Sometimes it takes us being inactive. Um, and I know that goes against, you know, how we're taught to deal with problems and how we're taught to deal with things. But sometimes when we get stuck in dealing with problems the way we've always dealt with them, we're right. always dealing with the problem the way we've always dealt with it, which is getting us in the same place. But um, being, having the willingness and the courage to sit in the mystery of that radio silence, you know, that, that is what can be life-changing. And also just being. I sometimes think that we forget for sometimes forget to just be yes. um, without anything else just being. Yes. and yes, this is yes. something else that i have learned from animals mm-hmm. just being mm-hmm. um without the intention without the goal without the this is what we have to do you know mm-hmm. right right and you know again i don't want to make it sound like magic because there's lots of luggage that is attached to all of this yeah excuse me, lots of change and everything. And so if you need professional help, then by right. all means, stretch out and reach out for that. Because that right. might be part of the chain that's breaking. Is if you've always felt that you've had to do it yourself and it's up to you and you pull yourself up by your bootstraps, that kind of thing. Well, no, because when you're looking at us from an animist, you know, there are sources, whether they're human or non-human, um, that can help us. And sometimes I think that as communicators, that we can get so, mm, that's the word I want, stuck in reaching out to the non-human sources that we forget that we can reach out to the human sources who are here to help us too. I think this is beautiful. This is like, <laughs> I, I know, I kind of feel this is like um, a beautiful sort of end point to say, Yes, we don't have to, to venture off into, into other realms. Sometimes the connection and the reaching out is another human being. Yeah. And um, I think there's a lot of beauty in, in connecting, you know, with nature and with animals and uh, with Mother Earth. But there's also a beautiful in connecting with, with another human soul. So, right, right. Um, and especially when you're not feeling well. Mm-hmm. And if you have things that come up and uh, yeah, and this is something that uh, it's nice to be reminded of. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's important to be reminded of it too, because we can just go, Oh, the animals are going to help me. Well, right. you know, it's, it's a human problem we have and they're not humans, you know? Yeah. <laughs> um, and so sometimes we need that human contact. And sometimes in not reaching out for that human contact, it can be a bypass and wanting consciously or unconsciously to stay connected to the chains. So yeah, the kettle of, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Stuff here. Mm-hmm. So this has been so inspiring for me. This has been so wonderful. It was so nice to talk to you and it was so easy to talk to you. And it was so many sort of, um, things little inputs where i thought yeah you know i'd love yeah. to, to, <laughs> to explore that more just to think about it so uh, yeah yeah well thank you for asking me to be here it's been delightful it was and lovely. yeah and we never met before what was it last week yeah 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 and i feel like i've known you like forever so yeah this is cool thank you very much that was lovely and i, I would love to talk to you more about you know everything and uh, um, all the uh, different uh, approaches and uh, perspectives and uh, yeah and I would like to 
really thank Shiloh. That was really <laughs> nice to, to communicate with him. Thank you, buddy. And, um, yeah, and I, I feel like he gave us a nice little sort of basis on our, on our um, chat here. So well. yeah. yeah, just um, at the end, how can people find you? So this is not to, to forget this. Right. My website is janetroper.com. And I do have to say that I'm in the throes of getting a new website. So it literally at this moment as we speak is what do they call it, populating, whatever that technical term is. It's literally in the process of going from the old website to the new website. So if you t uh, go to janetroper.com and you see it at Buffalo at, at the header, that is the old website. If you go to the new website and you see a dog, actually looks quite a bit like your dog, um, okay. a white dog. Okay, that is the new website. It's JanetRoper.com. And you can find me on Facebook and you can find me on Instagram and you can find me on iTunes, the okay. two podcasts. So, yes. And the, the, the podcasts are, are called Recreating the Right Relationship. Uh, my podcast, the one that I do myself, is Reawakening Right Relationship. Okay. And the one that I co-host is um, Everyday Animism. Okay. So, yes. So, that was lovely. Thank you so much. Thank you, Shiloh. Thank you. Thank you. Thank and, you. Uh, thank, you. <laughs> thank you, Paul Luftenegger, for the lovely music for the show. And um, I'm looking forward to, um, you know, hearing more from you and reading your blogs and listening to your podcast. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. Bye. Bye-bye.